just for a minute. Let us go through a drill, all right? And ask yourself this question. What rocks your confidence in God? Say, oh no, I'm confident in God. Okay, well, why is sometimes is there anxiety? Why sometimes is there doubt? Why sometimes fear so overwhelms us that it paralyzes us from being obedient to do evangelism, from being obedient to talk to somebody we know may not like us, but we still have to go to that job and do what we're supposed to do, not ignore the person, pray for our enemies, and treat them in a godly manner. What prohibits us from being able to consistently, over a long period of time, exercise that confidence in the Lord God? Many times it is how long he takes to respond to our needs. It's not, it's not unusual, you know, when you think of people like Elijah, you know, he got tired of waiting. Think of Abraham, got tired of waiting. Moses got frustrated. So great men of God got this way. What keeps us confident? What keeps us confident is the things that Paul would teach us, is what the writer of Hebrews would say to us. Fix your eyes on Jesus. When anxiety come, pray. Deal with that emotional duress. But no matter what we face, we pick up the tools that God has provided us in his word, because we are human, and focus that way so that our confidence is not in how we feel or how we think. Our confidence is in who he is. Stay focused. Understand, Jochebed was living in a slave hut. She had nothing. Her family are slaves. Jochebed. Jochebed has been going to gatherings where they would tell you about the oral traditions of the Jews. Please remember, where are they? They're in Gossen. Who got them there? Joseph. What was Joseph? He was a slave until God used that dream to get him to be a Pharaoh. So they are there because of God's goodness to them to live there. She hears about the traditions and how God promised Abraham that he would send somebody to release them. And she understands that the only reason we're here this long is because he told Abraham 400 years. So there's nothing we could do to get out of here any earlier. Because he said 400 years. So in the midst of the pressure and the pain and the hardship of slavery and being in a slave hut, she knew she couldn't go nowhere because 400 years was the landmark. It was the watermark. That's what it was. So there's no point in trying to change that at any point in time. What is the comparison? The people who are suffering in chapter 10, who are looking at their long-term suffering and their long-term pain and their long-term hardship, and they're giving up. This woman who looked at her pain her suffering, her hardship, and she chose to believe in God and have confidence in the God in spite of her circumstances. She didn't define God based on her circumstances. She defined God based on what he said. So whatever God said did not compare with her circumstances. She understood that his words made her a slave. His words was working for her even when it looked like it wasn't. She understood that even though I'm here for 400 
years, God has a plan with his 400 years. God is allowing our babies to be born with midwives. There's no incubators. There's no sanitation and a proper incubation for the children. But they're being born to drive Pharaoh crazy. So even when he's killing these kids, God got a plan in how messed up it looks. Because I'm reading the word. I'm hearing the word of God. I'm hearing what it's saying. So no matter how crazy it looks, no matter how bad it looks, God is at work. It's actually proving he's at work in the midst of the mess. It's proving that his word is true because I can't get out. 400 years haven't come past. He tells me what's going to happen to us as a nation. We're going to become this great and mighty nation. As many people as the sands of the seashore. It's two million of us. And when it was only 70 that came here. So even though this thing looked messy, it is actually a fulfillment of prophecy. So I understand that I'm sitting here because of God, even though it's messed up. So many times, folks, listen to me. In the midst of all of this, her son is born. And she's going, oh, wait a minute. When I look at this boy, beautiful means there's a level of elegance in this little kid. This isn't just a regular kid. Don't forget, children are being born after children are being born. Children are being born after children are being born. They're coming so fast, Pharaoh says, we got to kill them. Okay? They're coming so fast. We got to kill these kids. They're going to take over. And so she's looking at this child from all the comparison because the women, when a baby's born in their culture, the women gather, they're looking at the children, they're helping each other in the slave huts. So she looked at this baby, she goes, whoa, this baby looks elegant. This baby's handsome. This baby's unusual from everything I've seen. So I don't know, but this has to be the favor of God. And just maybe because of his elegance, he is the redeemer. He is the deliverer because his elegance shows there's something special about him. Maybe my son is the person who is going to deliver. So I got to make sure that nobody hurt him because he could be the one. What's making her save Moses? Her faith. So her faith is not defined by her circumstances. It's only defined by God. The reason why our confidence drops is because our faith is constantly being defined by our circumstances, not by God. And even in our circumstances, we don't even take the Bible to it. We take our attitudes to it, our emotions to it, our past histories to it, how we feel from the last time I was doing this. We take all of that to it then to say, God, I'm looking at this situation right here. And I'm seeing that your word is being fulfilled. Your word is actually coming through. And I must trust you in the bad. Oh, folks, that's what confirmed her faith. Is when everything was such a mess, she didn't turn God off. And went to what she feels about the situation. How could God let all these kids be dead? And we are the Jews. Promise of Abraham. How could God let this happen? She didn't get an attitude and anger and, and bad responses. She said, no. There is something about this child and we need a redeemer. Maybe he is it. And she kept teaching Moses that information. She taught her son. You, you, you folks, you got to follow Jacobed. She's not waiting for her husband to say, no, he's got to go off and make mud out of bricks out of mud. 
He got to work until they let him loose. So he got to be there early in the morning to late at night. But it's my baby. And I can look into my child and see something great. She's not depending on anybody to do this. Her faith is what's driving it. Her husband isn't driving it. The circumstances isn't driving it. The, the difficulties and the pain of everything is not driving it. What is driving it is what is God saying when I go to hear from God? What is he saying? That's all that matters to me. Because I believe in God no matter how bad my circumstances look. That confidence is what drove this. Not Moses first. It's Jacobed. Now, <laughs> look at this. Look at this. Okay, ladies, how hard is it to get a small child to stay quiet for three months? Could I get a witness up in here? Think about think how much work this has to be. How much attention she has to give to the baby with these soldiers busting through your door, your blinds, and coming in your hut and doing what they want to do. And you have no power. Don't forget, Pharaoh has absolute power. Well, I wouldn't say absolute power, God, but he has... Just power to do what he wants. And this woman for three months kept obeying God in her silence. You see what I'm saying? When faith is confirmed, faith is so confirmed that it doesn't really need a posse. It doesn't need a team. It doesn't need everybody to go, girl, I got your back. Oh man, you know I'm here for you. No. What it needs is, is, is a, faith means I am so confident in what God promises me. I'm so committed to the principles he's teaching. I have such a deep conviction that they're true that nobody has to agree with me or believe in me. Once I know that it's the truth that is there, I'm going to keep going. And that's why faith is always defined by steadfastness. You would know if a person is faithful by their steadfast obedience to God. You can't move them. It doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter how alone they get. It doesn't matter how difficult the situation is. I am going to do what God tell me to do. Her faith was confirmed. That it was nothing to do with any of her circumstances. She just flat believed in what God said. Period. Done. That's what's confidence. If every situation make me take this Bible and close it and go to my emotions, I don't have confidence in God because it takes an intentional commitment to do what God says because my emotion goes against it. My feelings goes against it. The loneliness of the situation goes against it. My isolation could go against it. My depression could go against it. My family could go against it. All these circumstances could go against it. But when I'm confident in God, I have to be intentional about it because of who I am. I'm still human. I still feel all that I feel. That's what's lacking in the church today. We're not intentional about our faith. And it represents that we don't have confidence in God. We say we do. We don't. We don't have confidence in God. Here's, here's the next thing here. Look at what happened here. It says, because they saw he was a beautiful child, they, husband also agreed, they were not afraid of the king's edict. Watch this, forward. Watch this, watch this carefully how this transitions. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw he was a beautiful child. I don't, he was hidden by his parents, but the wife is doing most of the work. Because the husband is a brick maker. 
and he's a slave. Watch this carefully. They were not afraid of the king's edict. That's crazy. He brings up this word fear. If you ever took oil and water and rattled them together, the nature of the chemical structure attached to oil and water does not mix. See, what he's saying is, they understood what the word said by the king, who has authority. There's no act of Congress. There's nobody that could vote him out of office. There's nobody that could make him not be Pharaoh. He has the total authority to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants it. And there's no decision making by anybody else. They hear this king says, hey, hand over the babies. You're going to have to let them die. And don't do anything opposite. Which could mean you die too. They hear it. But they don't do nothing about it. Why? This child is different. From all these babies being born, this child is different. I am not following the king. Let me show you what happens when fear jumps high and the word of God goes low. The minute fear is high, because Satan will make you afraid of a lot of things. He will. Fear. Fear is not something you invite. Fear is something that arrives. And you got to decide what to do with it. You don't invite fear. It's just there. You go to work and people are getting pink slips. You didn't invite that feeling. It's just there. What do you do when it's there? It's a powerful feeling. The Bible says it could become a sneer. The Bible literally said it could become a trap that keeps you locked in. I could read you the verse. And that trap that keeps you locked in will make you not even want to walk with God, become angry with God. It literally says in the Bible that fear is a trap. It is a snare that could keep you down. Fear has got to be dominant. What changed it? Faith. I'm going to trust God no matter what this man can do to me. That's why it's intentional for faith to arrive and confidence to be displayed. Because fear is very, very relevant and can therefore take away all that you want to do when it comes to God. Because fear creates suspicions. Fear creates conspiracy theories. Fear will create all kinds of different things that will drive us in directions we don't need to be in. That's exactly what's going on here with Jacobed and Moses' dad. They were afraid. They didn't say they weren't. They said the fear was countered with the word of God. Stay with me. Fear was conquered by the word of God. I want to take you deeper in it with this. Peter. Let's pick up Peter. Because many people see fear. The Bible has different kinds of fear. Let me get deeper with it. Okay, just stay with me. They have different kinds of fear. There's a fear called dreadful fear. Dreadful fear. What does that mean? The soldiers are going against Goliath. He's nine foot tall, seasoned warrior, strong reputation. It's like going on a basketball court. It's like me going on a basketball court and LeBron walks on. It's like, okay, Pastor Cannons, let me get you some water. Sit down. This is a waste of time. Now, who's going to come pay for that? The stands will be empty. <laughs> There's nothing going on here. That's what's going on. LeBron is, is Goliath. It makes sense to walk off. That's dreadful fear. 
A person may not feel a heavy sense of emotions that is so high. They just say, this makes no sense, so I'm walking off. That's called dreadful fear. Then having the Bible is called terror fear. What is terror fear? Terror fear is a Mack truck coming down the highway, an AT-wheeler coming down the highway, and I'm riding my bike across the highway at the same time. That is terror fear. Okay? And then there's a third one called reverent fear. I understand the power, the might, the, the blessings of God, the greatness of God, and the power of God. So when I see Pharaoh, I see God. I see that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly all I could ever ask or think. I see God who is able to get us out of here and put us in the promised land just like he said. I see God being able to get a person to deliver us and get us out of here just like he said. I see God because I reverence God. My reverence for God takes away my dreadful fear of Pharaoh. Are you with me? So understand, when this dreadful fear arrives, what does it do? It challenges my mind. And the minute it does and it wins, go to Ephesians chapter 4, we don't do nothing, and eventually we're angry with God. Walk with me. This is where we're going to stop today. Because you know what? We're going to park right here today. I want you to see, some of us have dreadful fear. Some people, are, some people go to work and they're going, this place is crazy. They expect me to live in Jesus in here? Oh no. They're going to get some of me in here. Because they're acting crazy, doing all this other stuff. People in marriages. If I keep doing this, I'll be so vulnerable. This person could take advantage of me and do all kind of things to me. So I don't want to be so vulnerable to this person. So therefore, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that to make sure I stay safe. So I'm not going to expose myself like this. So, so, So people, many times it's not terror fear, it's dreadful fear. And they go to common sense. And let me show you in Ephesians chapter 4 what that does. And that's why we get angry at God when he speaks. We want to shut God up. We want to take that sermon and shove it in the back basket. We were mad at God. We don't want to hear none of this stuff. because We think it's just because we are suffering and we're in hardship. The Bible says, no, dreadful fear took me down a path that made me dark with God. Walk with me. Ephesians chapter 4. The other people's babies were dying. Her baby became a deliverer. Because the circumstances she went through confirmed her faith. Exposed who she really was. It exposed it. This woman going about her day each day. Taking care of her rest of her kids. Aaron. (laughs) You know. And his, his sister, taking care of everybody, Miriam, she got this baby. She was doing her own business. Who would have known of Jacobet? Let's face it. A woman in a slave hut in Gossin, doing her thing, taking care of her husband who's working all day, taking care of two, two kids, Aaron and Miriam, doing what she was supposed to do. She arrives in the Bible, Jacobed, arrives in the Bible because she chose to not let the circumstances control her confidence in God. The simple slave woman in a place called Gossin is in the Bible, celebrated. Look at this, verse 17. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord 
that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. Whatever makes sense to them, whatever makes sense to walk away from Goliath, whatever makes sense to not line up with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they choose to not listen to, Mel- to, to, to Nebuchadnezzar. So it makes sense to not be put in a fiery furnace and put in a den of lions. It doesn't make sense to not curse God and die when you're Job. It doesn't make sense to stop being a Pharisee, a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews. It doesn't make sense. No, they chose not to live in the, in the way they're thinking. Why? Look up earlier into verse, into verse 14. He says, also as a result, we no longer are to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried away by evil, by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. Because you can't be carried away with those things, but speaking the truth in love We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. It's a decision. It's a a decision. If you don't make that decision and you're not intentional about that decision, we'll go right back to our way of thinking. And we go right back to our way of thinking, these four things happen right away. Here's the four things. The first thing is, he says, we begin darkening our understanding. You can read this Bible, explain this Bible to folks that I don't get it. We're so into our own understanding, our own way of thinking, especially when we get educated. This is that kind of thinking, the person can't get the Bible. Why? Because the life of God, when God is working in them, chapter 4, we read it earlier. Who's the spirit? The spirit is the spirit of truth. When I commit to truth, who do I ignite? The spirit of God. Because that's what he is. He's the spirit of truth. He is the oil in the glass. So the minute I choose to accept truth and walk in truth, guess who's get ignited? This Holy Spirit. That's why he who is in me, that's why the Bible says, it's he who's within me, both to will and to work for his good pleasure when I work up my salvation in fear and trembling. Because the spirit of God ignites. But if I turn off truth, I'm back to me. When I'm back to me, I can't get the Bible no more because there's no spirit making sense of it. Because the life of God inside of me is dying down. Because I'm intentionally showing God I'm going back to the way I think. Walk with me. Here's the next thing you see. That's why you see what's happening in the wilderness. That's why you're going to see even Moses messes up. Then he says the heart gets callous. And they having become what? Callous. Oh, it gets worse. He says, the person then becomes ignorant. Whoa. Watch this carefully. Matter of fact, that was, a, that was the next one. The second one is ignorance. What does ignorance mean? Ignorance in the Bible don't mean the person don't know nothing. They're darkening their understanding. When they darken their understanding, they could quote you scriptures, but they're not doing it. That's what lead them to be callous. You know how many times I've been to jail and watched people in jail cell serving them behind bars and they sit them there quoting more scripture than I could have quoted? It's not that they didn't know the Bible. They knew the Bible. They can quote it to me when I'm sitting down in the, behind bars talking to those guys and go, I used, to do, I used to do prison ministry and go behind bars. Them guys, are, yeah, Pastor, I'm going to tell you, man, in Psalm 24. <laughs> Pastor, I could tell you something, man, in Psalm. And they're quoting the scriptures to me, but they're locked up. What are they telling you? I had the knowledge, but I don't plan to do nothing. As a result of that, I've gotten ignorant. And then I got callous. And then it gets worse. Hardness of heart. 
Here's the fourth one that happens. The person, matter of fact, there's five in here. The fourth one happens. Even God does one more. Hardness of heart. Hardness of heart, then callous. So the person gets hard. So you see, hold up a second. See, we look, at, we look at Pharaoh and we go, Pharaoh, how could your heart get hard? He went through that system. Pharaoh could see that God is only working with the Jews. He could see it. He could see that none of the plagues touched the Jews. Not one. He could see it. But I'm Pharaoh. I'm a God. I can rescue, do this, what I want with these people. God is saying, well, okay, I'm going to give you more evidence. I'll lead to my own way of thinking. Pharaoh went ignorant. Sees the information? Going to do Pharaoh. Then what happens? The Bible says hard gets what? Hard. In spite of the fact that God is doing everything in front of his face. It gets worse. He's at the Red Sea. Children of Israel are going down the road. He knows that God for all these plagues be doing this. But he still sends his soldiers in there. Callous. We don't arrive there by accident. We simply get there because when fear arrives and we go with dreadful fear, this makes sense to go this way. See, we tend to look at these things and think that people are arriving here because they're just like this and these people. No, the Bible says, no, 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 no. That system can happen to a Pharaoh and can happen to Christians. Because we let fear dominate what we're doing and it makes sense. So we stick with what makes sense. And the minute we make that incision, decision intentionally, we go straight down these five things. And the Bible says, look at the last one. We become, we become sensual. We become greedy. Look at it. He says, he says, then you go to sensuality. Every kind of impurity. And then people are just greedy. They so lack an inside peace, they got to buy up everything. I got to buy, 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 buy. What are they doing? Trying to fill an empty spot because the life of God is not in them. What does the life of God bring? Peace, love, kindness, gentleness. Godliness leads to contentment. All of that is lost. So now it's gimme, 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 gimme. And I can never get enough. On one thing, when trials came, pain came, hardship came, it exposed our faith. It either confirms it or it tells us we don't have it. And as a result of that, our confidence in God is gone. You see, what Moses did, mother did with Moses was thanks. She didn't just rescue him. She so taught Moses that Moses also chose not to listen to Pharaoh and became the deliverer. But Jochebed was intent on what she saw and her son led with God with the confidence she never lacked. So she didn't just believe, she transferred a legacy. Confidence in God is confirmed by our faith. You know, there was a gentleman that came to 
work on my house. He, my dryer broke and he came to work on my house and it was nice when he was going out the door and he says, you know, you don't know this, but your ministry on television changed my life. It is nice to, when we go to Africa, to see pastors just come and they are so engaged in what they're learning. It just empowers us that travel there. It's good to go to the Caribbean and see the difference that God has blessed us to be able to make as we contribute for God's glory to the many different things that are taking place. So folks, I pray that you will support this ministry. It goes towards ministry. And I pray that when you do so, you would see the impact that it's making on the lives of people. Look forward to your support. We need it. Thank you.